Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on? We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast 2016. Welcome to another Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and welcome to Thomas Jacobson. Hello, Thomas. Hey, Stuart, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I always like this bit because I've just had it. What the audience doesn't know is that we've just had a little bit of a chat to get to know each other because we've just met online. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then I start the show and go, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Yeah. It's like we've had our own little green room in a I know, I know. It's a good thing I stay behind the camera. I'm not good at faking it. That's the great. It's the great. It's the power of audio, man. I tell you, the power of audio. Now, now, what film have we come together to talk about? That's going to be showing at Frightfest this year. Yeah, you are. We're talking about the Unraveling, which is the film we're bringing from LA to the audience in London on August 29th. So at Frightfest, which is very exciting. And that's going to be what? Is that nine o'clock? What time is that? Uh, I think nine, it's nine ten, o'clock. Nine, yeah, nine ten. In, nine ten. Yes. In Discovery Screen Three. Yes, correct. Um, and is this a European premiere? This is a European premiere. Um, it's a little interesting with those premieres, how they go. We actually had a world premiere in Copenhagen, um, but since each festival gets to have their premiere, this is our official European premiere. Ah, okay. um, but so, uh, we got to do the original world premiere in my home country, which was very exciting. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So then, um, give, us, um, give the audience a brief synopsis then of The Unraveling. All right. Okay, so essentially The Unraveling is a story about uh, a main character, Michael. He's sort of a has-been druggie who has recently recovered, though we're not quite sure if that's the case. Um, He's trying to sort of make a better life and carry a steady job with a pregnant fiancé. As the story uh, develops, we are going to realize that that's not exactly the case. Mm -hmm. He has sort of uh, gotten himself back into trouble. And uh, in the midst of all that, he, of course, has to have a bachelor party, which happens to be his best friends kidnaps him and takes him into the California wilderness. And uh, only then do we discover that even more is going on behind the scenes than just this uh, uh, what seems to be a very sort of straight up uh, bachelor party. But actually, there is uh, more than meets the eye. Uh, Things begin to unravel. One of their friends is found dead in a car and then things sort of takes a turn for the worse, so to speak, hence the title, The Unraveling. And from then on, it's kind of a survival uh, for Michael to to see if he's going to make it or not. And, uh, yeah, I guess I, I won't say too much more than that. Uh, that perhaps was not the best synopsis, but um, that gives you an idea of what kind of film it is. No, 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 and uh, and just just uh, a thought that struck me, obviously, with the with the Danish connection is looking at the uh, the still that's that's currently on the uh, IMDb page. 
with the blues and the reds, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, Nicholas Wine and Refford as well. Um, yes. As, as uh, a, that might just be a coincidence of the still that was used, but uh, but obviously... No, he... it's, 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 it actually... Uh, you're thinking of... Um, what's the movie? He did After Drive. Only God um, Forgives. Only God Forgives. It has, it has that very sort of... It has that very sort of feel in that particular still, and that's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt we were inspired by that. <laughs> Not about inspiration. No, no, absolutely. Not about one at all. Um, so so <laughs> as, the co- as the co-writer of this, obviously you were involved at the script stage. Yes. So um, what, what, what was it that for you and your co-writer compelled you to, 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 to expand this to a film script, What this idea? Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't spent a lot of energy telling uh, the backstory so much as, as going to as the extreme of saying this is based on a true story because it's not. But there are certainly uh, certain elements that inspired the film that are a true story. I okay. actually did go to uh, a bachelor party years ago back in Denmark with some of my best friends, same group of guys, five friends that I sort of grown up with. And we, we actually did kidnap a friend of mine who was getting married from his, his, at that time, the job he had at that time. And we sort of put a hood on him, threw him in a car and took him to the wilderness for a couple of days and um, had some cold beers and, uh, and had some fun. So uh, that was a very... How, how far into the kidnap did your friend know he'd be, he was being kidnapped by friends? Um, he, he actually knew the minute we, we showed up because it was at his work. So in that sense, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, one of those scary things. We didn't want to, we didn't want to be that cruel. So he knew it was us when we came in, but he didn't know we were going to show up at that time. It wasn't like an intervention then. (laughs) Yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like an intervention. So, you know, that idea. And then on the way to the place we're going, we almost got in a car wreck and a lot of things could have gone really wrong. Uh, I just got thinking about that story, and then I was sitting one night with uh, Justin, the co-writer and producer of the film, and we've been good friends for a long time, and I said, it could be really fun if we took that idea and just sort of took it to the extreme. What if we did that and then somehow made a film out of it, and uh, we'd just go to the local mountains and we'd shoot somebody here in L.A., and he's like, let's do it, and we kept just riffing on the idea, and before we knew it, we sort of committed to writing something, and then we just started, you know, coming home from work and putting the kids to bed. And then at night when we're really tired and thought our ideas were great, we started writing. <laughs> and, uh, and that somehow turned into, uh, <laughs> that turned into a script. Then, then we began to just sort of, I had a lot of contacts in town in LA. I've been doing a lot of commercial films and I started reaching out to people. It's like, Hey, you guys want to help us? We don't have any money, but we're going to do this. And not really knowing if this really was going to happen. We somehow mustered enough, uh, mo- you know, some momentum to to really get people together to help us do this, and then via a small network of friends, we sort of gathered some cash and uh, some volunteers, and we said, let's go and do this in two weeks. Um, uh, it, meaning the filming took two weeks, and then so we prepped for it and um, got a DP on board. A good friend of mine uh, became the editor, and so forth and so on. And uh, before we knew it, we were somewhere in the Mojave Desert up in the mountains shooting this film that had just been an idea that happened in my couch one night while we were drinking whiskey. Now just rewind a second. What was when, 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 you, when you were pulling this together as a screenplay then and you were trying to make it as a story, what, mm-hmm. what, what was the hardest challenge to resolve in terms of the fiction you were making out of these true inspirations? I think it, it was... We quickly departed from what was just my close friends and the experience we had to simply just the idea of kidnapping someone 
and realizing it was just a bachelor party. I think that was really the idea that sort of started the sort of development of the characters and what these characters were going to be and what kind of struggles the lead character was going to have and and what was the purpose of this kidnapping. It, mm. it became more than what originally happened. And that was sort of the story we just sort of, uh, no pun intended, let unravel and just sort of run with it mm. and see where was this going to take us. It, I think the thing that was very difficult was it it felt very conceptual and and we purposely wanted to stick to a very sort of uh, conceptual horror film in the in the sense of the setting and the way it was going to develop but the perhaps the feeling of of the characters and the way uh, the performance were going to be were going to be more perhaps uh subtle and dramatic and not um can't be in, in any sort of of um frame at least we were not intending for that to happen so it was a little bit of a mix of 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 genre feels perhaps when you when you hear this sort of synopsis it could feel very perhaps campy but we wanted to do something different so that's why we were trying to to mix a little bit and that i think that was the most difficult part of it you you know you had sort of committed to something that um you were sticking with but you wanted to still feel organic and, and natural how, how did you and justin sort of share the writing workload so a very interesting thing was that we sort of would just sit and talk and Justin would write as we talked and then we'd start reading lines to each other. Sometimes we'd split apart and then I'd write a line, he'd write it back and we'd write it. So we very much did it together. Um, but Justin was mainly at the at the keyboard while I was talking, what I was seeing in my head, and then he would add to it and he was like, why that? Why don't we do this instead? So it's very much collaborative. Okay, um, okay. Justin has written uh, other scripts. This was my first script. He's written other scripts. He's uh, actually directed another film uh, called The Rock and Roll Dreams of uh, Duncan Christopher. It's a, sort of a dark, awkward comedy that was really funny that he shot in Oklahoma years ago. Mm -hmm. So this was his first stab at sort of a more of a, a type of genre film. And I have never written anything, so it was very much a first try for us both. Well, um, sounds, and, uh, sounds it was like really. We were on a roll. It was really fun. It was really fun. And, and uh, yeah, that was kind of, you know, we, we, we sort of spread it out over an amount of time, and then we would send the script out to uh, friends um, and some people we knew in the industry that were giving us notes back so we could kind of get an idea. Are we way off pace? Uh, obviously, a big thing that I was staying on point was the minute we started writing, as I was basically constantly writing to a budget, which was next to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every decision was like, we can't have extras. We can't have huge, complicated production sets. We can't have a lot of special effects. We can't have expensive locations in L.A. So I was riding to locations I think we could find. Um, that was the tricky part as well, was really to be in this straitjacket called budget, which I know everyone is in, but ours was, was very much a straitjacket. So it's like, so it um, like a balance between imagination but actually problem-solving of, of, exactly, of, of, exactly. of a logistical kind as opposed to... Yeah, because I think sometimes people let themselves loose and they just write what they really want to make and then they go through the painful realization with the producers and then cutting away at things. So we tried to do the other way around because we knew there's no chance, at least we didn't think so, that we were going to get any sort of real budget for this because I had no previous experience directing uh, other than in the sort of commercial realm and, yeah, we just didn't have those kind of connections. We decided we're going to do it on our own. So to give us some perspective here, when you're shooting a commercial, which might be mm -hmm. what, what, a 30-second or a 120-second commercial, how many, exactly. how many days would you get to shoot that? 
I mean, uh, I think often uh, a day, sometimes two days, um, yeah. some really big budget commercials, which I haven't been a part of. You, you might shoot even more than that, but I never shot more than a day or okay. two days, so, you know. But, but a, day, a day to get basically 120 seconds is, yeah. is, is a lot when you compare that to, what did you say, 12 days to shoot a whole feature film? Yeah, 14 days. So we 14 shot 14 days. days. Yeah, we shot um, some days were like 15-hour days. They were very, very long. And we shot, you know, so one day we had action scenes and we still shot 13 pages, which was brutal. I so it was. Gee, it, was, uh, it was. It was at times very scary because, you know, by the time we had the light set up, it was like we had time for one or two takes and we had to move on. And um, we did was- not have the budget for rehearsals, so we moved very quickly. What was, your, what was your instructions to your first AD? Was it what to hit us with a stick? No matter what, we make us move forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was definitely, you know, Aaron Moore, who also produced the film, was my first AD. And he yeah. was uh, very involved early on also in the just how we're going to plan the shoot out. Um, he was constantly just keeping an eye on time mm. and trying not to lose his mind when I said, like, we might have to do this again. Um, so that was definitely very difficult. I mean, Aaron did a, a good job of just making sure I at least felt like I'd gotten a stab at what I wanted. But there yeah. was times when, when I was like, I don't think we got it and we had to move on. Um, uh, okay. so it was, it was difficult. It was very difficult. That's probably the hardest part is when you feel like you're not quite there and you're still trying to tweak something and you, you know, we have to move on or we're going to lose the next scene and we can't afford that because there's no money or time for reshoots. Um, so you just kind of keep going and you just tell yourself it's going to work out in post, which that's never a good feeling. <laughs> but I guess it did. I guess it did for the most part. But it, it yeah. I you understand. can ask my editor. It was not easy. I understand. I understand. So, so yeah. in that sense, then, what was, what was on the from what was on the page to what you had mm-hmm. to shoot? Which part of it? Which aspects of it seemed the biggest challenge for you? Because um, obviously, like you said, well, that's you, a good question. You you, you 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 were conscious of what you, you your constraints were, so you wrote for them. But I'm imagining there must have been some parts of it that you were like, okay, this is the challenging bit. How do we squeeze the, the, another pip out of this lemon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, we didn't have any stunt coordinators. Um, okay. And we didn't have any special effects in this film at all. So everything had to be in camera. Mm-hmm. Um, from the get-go, we knew everything had to be in camera. There was no after the fact fixing anything and because we didn't have any stunt coordinators or second ad uh sorry second unit shoot uh dps or shooters that had experience with shooting action sequences we mm-hmm. had to sort of make it up as we we went and that was probably what the most tricky was to try with the actors being in all the situations trying to make something seem scary and terrifying and real and at the same time they had no experience doing that and neither did i so we really had to go with a gut of like, is this working and how can we move the camera and how can we cut here and still move the pacing and make it feel like this is really happening. This is uh, not just the actor pretending to to be in trouble. Um, the, you know, we, we had some, you know, we had a hanging in the film right. <laughs> that um, we had to somehow create, uh, which is tricky. And uh, luckily we had an incredible um, production designer and art director and lead man named Josiah Conrad, who pretty much designed everything from scratch, including the rig uh, that we used to hang one of our actors. So he had to be safe. There couldn't be any risk involved, but still have to make it look like a real hanging. Um, things, things like that was really that, tricky that, because, that again, sounds, we had no like time. A, that sounds like a massive trust exercise. <laughs> 
It, it was, and I, I remember Bob Turton was the actor who was going to do it. I remember he, until he met Josiah, I think he was very unsure and and scared of, of doing that particular scene. But once he met Josiah and just saw how Josiah was carrying everything out, I mean, Josiah was responsible for every prop, every special effect you saw in the film. He was either building it from scratch or setting it up. And mm. um, uh, they they very quickly felt very safe in his hands, and so did I. So we just sort of went for it. But that was definitely probably the most scary and tricky. We had a rock climbing scene hmm. that we did with no, no, I mean, I probably shouldn't say any of this, but uh, there was no rigs. There was no um, security. There was nothing. We were literally just the actors climbing. And uh, I was up on the edge looking down with my DP, holding my DP. And I kept telling my actors to be careful and try not to get too much into their character just to come up safely. And none of them listened. And it was kind of scary watching them just climbing up this uh, rock surface from above. And I was all the time mostly worried about one of them was just going to fall off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we we, uh, we made it. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of times there where it, 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 it's definitely real. What you're seeing is really happening, and it's the actors doing it. Um, uh, not by choice, but sort of by we, we didn't have any other options, you know? So I, I, I got to give props to all our actors for, for being willing to do this and, and all in. But at the same time, of course, we did everything we could to be safe, but there's just, there just was under the time crunch at times, we, we sort of took some, some choices, uh, made some choices that were very risky. Um, I think that was difficult. I think what I learned was what was really difficult is when you have people sitting around a campfire, having a conversation, uh, the, paper didn't seem to be the most difficult scenes um they turned out for me performance wise and just getting it in the can and getting the pacing they were extremely difficult um is that, and, be, is that again, because, because is of, that because it's hard to make it look interesting or i think it's hard to make it look interesting to not make it feel stale and natural and at the same time you're you're trying to cover multiple angles and it's just sort of very static and again like you said it's not very interesting and it sort of it just feels like it sort of dies there and we had the same trouble in editorial like those were the most difficult scenes yeah, um, cause, and cause even more difficult than that um, yeah. we you know we couldn't cut out a scene we had to leave everything else so we were gonna we were not gonna have enough minutes to have an 85 minute film yeah so I couldn't cut anything out I had filmed like I didn't have the the luxury of saying like this scene was fun to shoot it just doesn't work out we had to leave it in even if I didn't like to so I had to tweak them until uh. They worked at least worked in post, and I, I yeah, I uh, I definitely realized like those those scenes really, they can work in your head when you're on set or if the actors you know I used some very talented young actors, but even they I could tell they, they just needed time to sort of develop and 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 figure out these scenes and we didn't have the time, so we all struggled together and mm. of course we did the best we could and I, I I think we were able to to pull it off, but but it definitely was, it was tricky. No, no, I remember, I remember listening to um, Jeremy Solnier talking about Green Room, and he said, you know, everybody thinks it's easy because most of the action takes place in the one room. He yes. said, but actually, to get the points of view and the, and interesting coverage, yes, is is yeah, a, it's... is 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 a, is a an intense process because you can't just take for granted that, like you say, when you give it to the editor, that you can just slot it all together. No, it's very true. It is very true. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, it, that's what you learn is that the things you think on paper are going to be fairly quickly solved and, and figured out are the things that are really, really going to cost you some, some pain. Another very, very uh, 
technically very hard scene to do was the bar scene in the film. Mm. Um, we needed the actors to go in and out to carry a body, uh, to go outside, check the hood, check the trunk, go back in. And, and it, um, it read well on the page, but when we were there, I spent so much time telling what actor when not to slam a door and leave it open. There was continuity issues. It was really, really tr tricky. I feel like we actually pulled off that scene very well. I was so surprised when we were in post when we started cutting that scene together because when we were directing it, it was so technical. It was hard to, to split my focus between what had to happen technically and what I needed to get from the actors performance-wise. I really was struggling balancing that. I was going to say, from a directing directing an actor point of view how how did you manage expectations you know because obviously what you're talking about here is look we're all we're basically all in this together so we either all go forward or we don't go forward at all but but then obviously you also want them to express themselves and bring their a game yeah and, and so how, how did you bridge those conversations because obviously it would seem like at first expediency it becomes a priority over the over the craft but obviously you want the craft to emerge right. don't you exactly yeah no i mean i gotta give a lot of credit to to the actors i mean they're all young um not not now they have done a lot more work since we shot the film but but when when i ran into these guys the first time um you know, they, I got to give a lot of credit to Zach Gold. He he helped us a lot, our lead lead character. Once we had cast him and we knew he was going to be the guy, mm. um, he helped us actually find a lot of the, if, via his network of friends and actors in town, he helped us find a lot of the characters that we actually ended up casting for the film. So that was a huge help um, in that sense. But again, you're dealing with actors that haven't done a ton of films yet. Yeah. Um that are being asked to do something that even the most top-of-the-line professional actors are having a hard time doing um, with a third of the size of the crew uh, with no time to rehearse. And, and so it was kind of one of those things where I do feel that that, it, it, that is one of the things I'm really proud of is when when you saw the, the stress that everyone was under and the time crunch we were under. And, and one of the things we had to do was we, we basically, where we filmed in the woods in the Mojave Desert, it was called Tehachapi Mountains. Mm. We rented a boy, uh, sort of a rundown Boy Scout camp that was up in about 6,000 feet. Right. Had a bunch of cabins with no windows and bunk beds. We all, with crew and cast and everybody, we stayed in those cabins. And then we ate in the mess hall three times a day, sometimes four when we're shooting through the night until sunrise. And so basically we slept together, we ate together, and then we walked up the hill, hiked all our gear up, and we started filming. And, and there was this incredible sense of we're doing something that's almost impossible. And if one person decides not to give their all, including the PAs and the DPs and assistant cameras, we're not going to make it. And, and that's where I felt like really our cast and crew deserve such credit for this film because they just sort of all rose to the occasion including the actors and they just came with such intensity and eager and hunger to perform that a lot of the times i had to sort of say no we need to dial this down there's too much performance here we need something more subtle um <laughs> but at the same time there was there was really like an uh, yeah unbelievable dedication to get this done because i mean i had actors almost fall asleep on set including crew because the days were so long mm. and some scenes where you see us in the middle of the night we kept shooting until the morning that no one had slept we shot until the sun rose wow. um and it got really cold at night like you know for california you wouldn't expect to get 22 degree weather but you did at night uh and windy so 
Yeah, that that was the tricky thing was really to sort of know that everyone that were there was going to give it their all. Uh, they might not have the most experience, but at least the passion was there. And and I will say that was there, and that was very exciting to see. And I feel like that that saved the movie. Um, had we had any big divas on set who just said, I don't work under these conditions, then we would have been dead. Like, we did not have the time to argue or explain why we had to do something again. I, I really feel like everyone rose to the occasion, so I that get, was exciting to I see. Get, I get the impression talking to you, it was, one, it, it was one hell of a rap party then when you did finish. It was. It was kind of one of those things... A, a complete pressure cooker being let off. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, to be honest, I was so exhausted after the shoot. A lot of us were. I mean, it, I felt like it took me weeks to recover because what happened was when we were done shooting, I many times were going through my shot list when everyone was sleeping, and there was a couple of nights I didn't sleep. I just went back into the shoot the next day. Mm. And it, you are getting sort of to the point where you're getting delirious, um, and the, you're just living off adrenaline. So uh, we did have a day break in that 14 days where we came home before we shot in L.A., and I got a little bit of sleep, but... It wasn't until after the fact that I realized, man, I am, I mean, I'm literally so depleted. I mean, I, I think I lost 12 pounds during the shooting. So it was, it was, uh, it was a marathon and then some, um, but, but well, uh, kind of an unforgettable experience. Obviously, completing the film would be a massive part of the, a massive occasion for, for you. But what, what's a, what's a kind of, when, uh, thinking of like smaller details when you're making the movie, what's a fond, what's a fond memory you'll, you'll take with you for, through every, that'll always take, be with you with any future film you make from the experience of making this? Oh, I think there's a couple of moments. I think um, there was one time we were shooting very early in the morning and sort of the clouds were coming in and hanging over the, the mountainside and, and I was just sort of standing there. We had got a, f a friend of my DP, a very talented Steadicam op, had agreed to drive up and meet us and do some Steadicam work for us, which was very excited. We didn't think we were going to get that. I was seeing him rigging up. Um, and just watching all these guys, just being there at the crack of dawn, having slept for a week, and it was just the most beautiful morning in 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 this sort of mountainous area of California. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was sort of picturesque, and we were going to capture this on film, and it was a story that I didn't even know if we were ever going to see the day of light, that i just written for fun, at least in the beginning, with a friend of mine, a cow, and all of a sudden all these people are here, and they're all trying to recreate this idea that you'd had, mm. um, it's very humbling. And at the same time, so it's probably one of the most thrilling things I've experienced in my work life, so to speak. I just, I was, it was just really, it made it worth everything. And, and, and sort of seeing, man, this is really happening. I have no idea yet what it's gonna look like, but even if it, if it fails, like what we're doing right now is, is kind of extraordinary, I hope. I always have that feeling when I get to new, hopefully the next film. Then, yeah. Um, that these people just sort of trust you that this is going to come together and it's going to be watchable and, and they're <laughs> losing sleep over it and and they're just sort of, yeah, they're, they're trusting you with the story and they're going to give what they have to give their part in this story to make it happen. I, I felt like that was a very sort of, that was one of those few reflective moments I have where I wasn't just completely stressed and trying to figure out how to pull it off. I just mm -hmm. for a moment got to enjoy it. That and of course, you know, uh, like you said at the at the very rap or when there's a there was a scene we shot with Bennett Viso, um, one of the actors who played Louis, where he sort of is completely losing and running through the woods and 
he's overtaken by emotion. And I remember the steady cam was doing some really great work around him. And I remember feeling his performance so much that I, I, yeah, I almost couldn't believe that I was watching, that I was a part of making this, you know, wow. uh, this was a little moment. I was like, wow, this, this, I feel, I, I felt emotionally what he was feeling. Um, and that was very exciting. Um, trying to a big part for me was always to try to to see if I could feel what the actor was feeling um, and if if what he was bringing could sort of impact me even though I knew exactly what was happening and what I wanted to accomplish it was it was very surprising to to be moved by something you've gone over so many times and obviously that's not that's not a feeling you're trying to attain when you when you're shooting commercials is it in terms of the mm -hmm. Not in the same way. I don't no. think so. I, no. it, it, you're, you're thinking about a whole other. You're trying to to approach it differently. Many times, there's a lot of clients on set. There are people to try to to accomplish something for the sake of the product. I, mm. I think that's what's unique about filmmaking is, no matter what kind of film you're making, you you are wanting people to experience something and feel something. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether you accomplish that very well or the overall story supports it all the way through and and we definitely made some writing mistakes that i regret deeply but but there are still those moments where you're like man i felt this you know mm. this moment i really felt like that you i'm 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 going back to that i want to make more of that i want to make something stronger than that you know and so there's many layers of directing i think that can be very satisfying and that wanna, was one of the smaller moments i want to go out and make a film now listening to you <laughs> <laughs> I can recommend it. Just uh, make sure you pick some really hardy people. Uh, California has fairly good weather, but even then it was, it was tough. Uh, but yeah, it's it's I I it was one of definitely one of of the highlights of of, of that process, as tough as it was. Now now you're um, you're gonna who's coming over to Britain then for the uh, for the for the European premiere? Uh, so Justin Monroe, the producer and co-writer on it, um, mm. he's coming, and then uh, myself. Um, there might be one or two more. Maybe our lead lead actor uh, uh, Zach Gold uh, might be able to make it, but we don't know yet with his schedule. But um, um, we won't know until perhaps this week. So for okay. sure, Justin and I will be there. Brilliant, brilliant. So in that sense, then, if you're going to be there while while the while the UK audience is um, is enjoying your film, what what um Without giving too much away, what aspect of uh, the unraveling are you most excited to see with the Fright Fest audience? I think um, I think the thing you know I've seen the film so many times it's really hard for me to sort of see it the same way. So the last couple of times we had a big when we go uh, you know we've been on the big screen, which is the most exciting, is to be in a theater full of people. That's I sort of get a little nervous uh, and terrified every time. Mm -hmm. um, you're just about to be judged, and and um, and I'm probably uh, my hardest critic. So uh, I don't usually go in with much expectation of positive criticism. I, I don't know if that's the Danish in me, but um, so I think when I go into the theater, I many times just sort of try to watch people, and it is it is kind of it's kind of uh, fascinating to see these people you've never met and they're they're taking aside two hours of their life to mm -hmm. just go in and see a film that you have made and and you can see in people's faces when they are being impacted and when they are really getting sucked into the story and and when they're not mm -hmm. um and that's really fascinating to watch because that is a tool that teaches me a ton as a filmmaker because that's really ultimately 
my goal, I don't make movies for myself, and I'm not the first person to, to say that, but I think it's true. It's you're making this for someone else, so you you have to accept that ultimately you want them to experience something um, that makes it worthwhile, <laughs> taking out two hours, two hours of their life to, to see this well, film. Well, no, yeah, totally. It? It's like it, 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 it's their film, isn't it? Once once you let people watch it, it's not your film. It, it really is. It really is their film. And and the fascinating thing, watching them and then hearing people's um, you know comments or criticisms or what they liked about the film, it's 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 really. It, it, I've learned a lot. Like even even the criticism we've gotten, I've learned a lot because I I do feel. In some shape or form, you can learn from it. You might not always agree with it, but mm. like you said, it's their film now, and and it is fascinating to hear people's various takes on something. But more than anything, you know, it you know you you have to be okay with that because if you can't take criticism, you probably shouldn't be in the movie business. Um, <laughs> you gotta have thick skin and understand that some people are just gonna think it was a waste of time, and. You know that's hard to hear, but but that's part of it. You know that 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 what you hope to hear. <laughs> what's, on, a, on a positive front, then, what's the what's what's from from an encouraging point of view? What's been a favorite piece of feedback you've received to date from somebody hmm. that, that that enjoyed it that you that fed back to you? What was what's been a favorite comment back to you? Interesting. I think I think um, I think uh, when 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 people told me, you know, I kind of knew what was going to happen, but you were still able to suck me in. Like, I just, I had to know what was going to happen, and I was finding myself getting carried into the story, sort of like I was, I know this is a roller coaster, and I know it's going to come to an end, and I know there's going to be a hill right here, but even then, it kind of, it kind of gripped me. Um, that I remember that comment being being very exciting because that was definitely one of my goals was to try to make people feel like they were really on a roller coaster and they were getting sucked into the story, even if there was parts of it they didn't believe or they didn't like for the solution. Or um, and um, I think uh, one critic called it um, psychological and honest, and I appreciated that. I mm. I. I I I thought that that was something we were attempting to do. That's very difficult, especially with a concept that was very, in one way, was following a very sort of ritualistic, uh, or should I say, almost a cliche of how horror films in the movies sort of usually unravel. Yeah. We we actually sort of followed that um, storyline purposely, and that has been an interesting thing to get feedback on. Some people have sort of criticized us for doing that some have kind of understood why we did that and that has been that has been the one where i think a lot of people have had very various opinions of why we chose to go that way about it um it's very interesting when you feel like you have justified a decision you've made but people have very good arguments why it's not justified it, it, it gives you something to reflect on <laughs> no no look, i mean that's, that's always i think that's always that the, i think if you're going to be a fair critic I think that's always the point. You can you can have a visceral reaction to something, like mm -hmm. I just don't like this. Yes. And then when you try and write that down to explain it, the amount of t I could I, the amount of times I've come to something that I said initially I don't like, which like mm -hmm. is an emotion anyway. It's not it's not a criticism. It's just a reaction. Right. Then when yeah. you try and explain it. 
So you go back to the source, you go, okay, let's look at this again, let's listen to this again. And then right. you, end up, you end up hearing or seeing the good. And I've, I've often come out, I bet you 75% of the time, when I've gone back to work, um, right. I've come out with a positive view after having an initial negative reaction. It's interesting. Um, because, because, you know, it's, you, you can't always understand something. Right. And you can't always fully appreciate it because, you know, there's always that thing. I mean, there's, how many times have you gone to see a film when you're in a bad mood? I mean, if you're in a bad mood, you're not giving the filmmaker much chance, are you? <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that doesn't help. And you can't, you, can't, you can't make a film based on the fact that Stuart Wright might come and turn up and he's in a bad mood. So it's kind right. of like there's, there's other variables that happen. But anyway, just to give people a sense of your film, I mean, you've described it, you've talked about mm -hmm. some of the elements of it. But let's, let's imagine there's a fantasy double bill where the unravelling is playing alongside a film... That, that marries that matches up to it quite well. What would you pick as a as a double bill partner to play alongside the unraveling? To give people a sense um, of your film. Um, I'd say maybe uh, the game or Deliverance. Okay, they're two very different films, but that would be that's an interesting they're interesting choices. That I I, cho I did that on purpose not to give too much away. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You either give, you either give a load away there or not nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's remind people then. When can they see it at Frightfest? So we are in Discovery Screen Three. Uh, uh, we are opening Friday night, uh, nine ten. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, uh, August the twenty sixth. Is that correct? Did that I get is. all that right? You did indeed. You did indeed. Now one last question. Recommend, can you please recommend us a British horror film or indeed tell us what is your favourite British horror film? Oh, my, my memory. I want to say, I want to say 28 Days Later. Uh, you can say that. It's a very, a very well thought of British horror film. Yes. Um, and, I'm, you know, there's a, several films of Danny Boyle's I really like. I like The Beach too. But I think if I was going to say... Just, there might, I might be, this might not be, uh, if I had to think about it for a little longer, I might come up with another one, but just from the top of my head, I'd say 28 Days Later. It has been a while since I've seen it, but I remember enjoying that movie very much. Um, I think he's a very talented director. Um, can't really just from the top of my head think of, of anyone else. Lots of British films I love, but they might not be horror films. Okay, okay. Well, not to worry, not to worry. Um, well, look, we look forward to having you in uh, in London for the um, for Fright Fest. Thank you so much. We're we're very excited to to get to bring our film to London. And thank you very much for giving your time to Britflix for the podcast. Ah, uh, you're very welcome. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes. Hey, what's going on? subscribe to Britflix just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we release it or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to stream from on the website this has been a Ripflix Flight Fest Preview Podcast 2016
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.